we do inside of our ecosystems for the dealer owner or the man, the marketing director or the sales manager who's listening right now, what, where does their focus in your opinion need to be in order to make the most of all the, the spinning plates? You know, it's really about process and self-awareness. Like every dealership is going to have, I think they're different things that they care mostly about. Um, but you know what? Often it's the non-glamorous hard work every day. So the Buffalo Bills hired Sean McDermott as the head coach of the Bills. And his phrase was trust the process, right? Not caring about the result, but caring about what are we doing every day to get better, right? Hiring the right people, recruiting the right players that have fit within the culture, going to practice to practice, given everything you got every moment of every opportunity and trying to get incrementally better. And I can tell you at West Her, like we live that out of like, I don't know how Scott did that exactly, but he's a humble guy, but he's created this sense of urgency and almost anxiety or insecurity in all of us as alpha top performers that there's no satisfaction. I mean, we sold, I I think we sold, I don't know, 5,500 cars or something last month, but like we spent like five seconds high-fiving each other maybe. Yeah. And then it's like, well, how do we get better? Like, what do we do next? It's like the Chicago right? Bulls. For right? sure. Totally. Totally. Cause you have to. So what I loved about the last dance was Michael Jordan's ability to craft a narrative amongst like a rookie in the league or something. He created a construct to be aggressive or competitive against. Right. Yeah. And I see the best operators in automotive doing the same thing. They care about winning every scenario, every situation. We don't want to fall flat ever. So when we make a mistake, we got to do better than even. We got to make it right. We got to exceed customers' expectations, not in a generic CSI way, but like in a legitimate, wow, we actually did something above and beyond. And as we grow, our scale and challenge to that is how do we do that at scale? Like Scott Beeler is notorious for driving around every dealership on a Saturday, giving hundreds out of his wallet to customers. Well, that doesn't scale when you're doing the amount of transactions that we're doing. And when we go to 40 or 50 dealerships, how are we going to do that? But that's what I think technology and systems and caring about marketing and the process, trusting the process will matter. But, you know, even if you're a single point today, go to your CRM. Did you look at your CRM today? Did you look at the 10 people that you talked to yesterday? Right. Did you talk to the, did you follow up on the seven that you didn't sell? Did you call them today? Like, you know, it's not about necessarily getting new customers. It's about doing better with the customers you already have. And like, it's like a social media recommendation, right? Like they say, don't worry about how many followers you got. Don't worry. We'll care about that one comment. If somebody gives you a comment, engage with it. Sure. Like I don't have a million followers. I'm not like some celebrity or whatever. Right. So if somebody's taking the time out of their day to like give me their opinion on something that's relative related to what I posted about, I want to thank them for that or engage with it or recognize it. Same thing in the car business. If somebody walks through your door at the dealership, you got to be so appreciative and thankful. And what can you do to move the ball forward? Maybe you don't sell them a car this time. Sometimes when we don't sell cars and we lose it to a competitor, we send a letter for $1,000 off their next purchase. So mm. cool. You know, Mr. Shrilla, we didn't earn your business this, uh, this time around. You know, obviously we're disappointed in that. We want to do better. We want to do what we can to earn your business next time. Here's a letter for $1,000 off. <laughs> like, wow. like yeah. go, you know what I'm saying? And like, like, look, we're, we're human. We screw up and we got to acknowledge that. And you know, we, we mentioned vulnerability that needs to be in our process too. arrogant managers or arrogant, like, egocentric people that is not going to be the way forward in this world of connection and like experience. So, you know, being self-aware to how your organization runs like that, like does the sales manager actually get up and talk to the customer? If they don't, maybe that's something that you focus on, right? Mm. Trust the process, right? What can you do to eliminate friction, eliminate 
pain, eliminate confusion, eliminate, speed up the process in the dealership. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that, but throughput, I think, is going to be the next chapter for dealerships. And how can we be more efficient with the same number or less number of people in our building and sell the same number or more cars, right? How do we get more done with fewer people, fewer resources? And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we do that. But I think technology will have to help us partly. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, and that's the point. I think for me, you know technology, the early innovation of tech in the auto industry made everybody believe. And, and by the way, this was the narrative that was pushed. It's like, hey, sign up for a insert website provider here and you're going to get more traffic leads and sales. And we had a solid 15 to 18 years of all of them saying, no, our websites are going to help you get more traffic leads and sales. And then a new tech startup happens and that they say, no, our tool solves this problem. That's going to help you get more traffic leads and sales. We created a total dependency upon the tech rather than using it to offset or maximize or make more scalable the things that truly matter as a foundational point of reference. Like you said, um, the manager coming and talking to people himself. I mean, gosh, you you go to an Applebee's and the manager walks around and says, hey, how how are you enjoying your visit with us? Can I get you a water? Can I get you a new water? No, you know, but I'm, I'm a manager. I, I used to be a lot boy and a salesperson, and now I'm a sale. I don't get people coffee. We use a we use a tool that costs two hundred and forty nine dollars for our whole group. It's called Delighted. It's a Net Promoter Score survey, and what it does is anybody that spends money at Wester, anybody, sales service, whatever, they get an email on a scale of uh, zero to ten. How likely are you to recommend the Wester Auto Group to a friend? It's intentionally generic. It's not how was your experience at the Subaru store? Would you recommend the Western Auto Group to a friend? Uh, About 7% of the time, which is actually really low, but 7% of the time we get a six or less. If we get a six or less, we have a process where we notify the managers are on it. Like we call the customer. We try to make it. We screwed up. Usually we screwed up. Like the 30 minute oil change took two and a half hours or, you know, they said they'd have the car ready for me to test drive uh, when I got there and I still waited for an hour and a half or whatever, like whatever happened, right? We get that feedback. It does not increase the number of reviews that we get on Google. It does not do anything for our OEM measurements or report cards or whatever, but it does show us, you know, what's happened. Now that's the negative side, but the positive side, which I'm a big proponent of focusing and high-fiving positive feedback, about 80% of the time we're getting somebody that gives us a nine or 10. So sometimes they put comments, so often they put comments of like, so-and-so was great. Mm-hmm. Well, that gives us an opportunity as a management team to go talk to that person that actually did the work and say, hey, high-five, you did an awesome job with Matt. Like, good right. job. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I think managers, we always have the tendency to focus on the negative and like, maybe that's just human nature, the human condition. I'm not sure. But ultimately there's, there's a lot to be gained with focusing on the sun and the positive too. Yeah. It's, I think it's, I think you're right about that. It's like, if I point out the problem, then it gives us an opportunity to work on it. Yep. Not realizing, no, there's actually a lot more that can come from positive reinforcement. And, and, you know, I I remember the story, shoot, I wish I remember the book. Maybe it's how to win friends and influence people. That sounds about right. It's about the the test pilot who m- made a mistake and ended up, you know, crashing the plane and, you know, whatever it was, $50 million plane and super expensive. And he was super afraid of seeing the CEO of the company and facing him. And there's the CEO and he could see him as he parachutes down to the ground and you can see the CEO standing there and he's just freaked out. And, and as he approaches the hangar, the CEO is like, are you okay? Are you safe? Are you good? Yeah. Yes. 
I bet you learned one thing you're not going to do next time. Like it was like, <laughs> you know, he yeah. didn't have to razz on him. You didn't have to whatever. He, to me, that's very positive, like way of, okay, cool. So we just lost 50 mil <laughs> or whatever the dollar figure was, but are you okay? First and foremost. And I bet you learned something you're not going to do next time. Yeah. Okay. Well, love that. I love those subtle leadership examples. I mean, there's all sorts of stories where you see those really excellent leaders take advantage of those moments in time and those opportunities. Yeah. And I think, you know, such a huge impact on where things can go. I think sometimes we forget based on the whole technology conversation that it is actually the people in this business, the powerful, great, capable, talented, beautiful, amazing people in this industry that are the ones that are going to move it forward, not the dependency upon one tech alone. You know, I I look at examples. I've brought this up on the podcast before. When we often think about disruption, we think of companies like Airbnb or Uber or whatever. But when you really look at the concepts or the philosophy behind disruptive innovation, it has nothing to do with, um, you know, some small startup that came up with a new fresh concept. It has to do with serving the needs of a specific market in a way that a larger incumbent could not do it. Well, in the case of Uber, you know, we often, so it gets misrepresented. We think in order to be disruptive, we have to come up with something that's never existed before. Is that really what Uber did? Ride sharing existed. Taxi cabs existed. People paying for it existed. People were already paying for rides. Uh, Cars already existed. They didn't invent those. They didn't invent the internet, payment processing, smartphone apps. They just took resources that already existed and marketed it in a in a new experience for a specific you know target market. And now look, 10 years later, which by the way, they started during the last recession, 10, 12 years later, they're now in a position where they can be handing out billions in relief and you know, philanthropic type, you know, offerings to a market simply because they assembled things that already exist. And so I love what you're talking about. You're talking about, hey, I've already got a tool set that already exists, how I leverage it, how I leverage people, how I leverage process or or have the right process to leverage all of this. That's what actually is going to make the difference. And there's an art to like focus decision making and what things do you care about? So, and we all struggle, even a group like Wester, we struggle with caring about too many things, right? We have too many initiatives, too many things to focus on. And uh, often you don't get the depth or, you know, the push that's required because you're a little bit, little bit scattered, right? So you're like doing this thing real fast and you're moving on to the other thing, right. but there's an art and a skill. And that's like the most senior leaders of our industry, especially on the retail side, need to set those agendas really intentionally, you know, and, and just be interested in how can we thrive. Dealership groups are customer service organizations. That's what we are, right? Like, so we need to be all in and whatever mechanisms and ways that, that matter to best serve customers. Otherwise, we're just a commodity throughput that's very easily replaced by Amazon, right? Amazon has a better buying experience. (laughs) So when they start selling Toyota Corollas, you know, and they got 10 Toyota dealerships that they can drop ship from, you know, you better have a customer experience that's worth something. Right. Yeah. You know, now that, that, that sort of goes a little too far and like discounts our people. Um, but, but I know that that's, I view that as like a longer term risk of like something that could take certainly the commodity business. I still think that there's an art to this, to this business and like understanding people say they want a Corolla, but they leave in a Hummer. Like, you know, like things like that happen all the time. So, you know, like people don't really know what they want, which is why there's real estate agents still, right. Like, 
you know, these types of things like human beings can guide other human beings. And there's a skill in that, um, that I think is often discounted by the tech providers and the OEMs who maybe don't fully understand it because they never sold a car in their life. It's so funny you say real estate agents, because for the longest time, I felt like, you know, it was so nice to sell my own home standing next to a real estate agent. Because for the longest time, I was like, what are you even doing? Like, cool, you put an ad on MLS or realtor.com or whatever it is. And but at the end of the day, I was there. You told me not to be here, but you had all these showings and no luck. And then I end up selling my own house and I got to pay you the 20 grand or 20. (laughs) And then I realized, though, and this was years after when maybe I had gained a little more self-awareness. I'm like, ah, but, you know, it was really worth it having them there when I was like, wait, should I bring this up? Yeah. Or wait, should I show them that? Or is this a big deal? And and to have their understanding of the market and their experience to 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 counsel me that like that's worth something. It can't be discredited. And we see that all the time. Yeah, there's this negative stigma in the car industry that, you know, is hopefully hopefully going away. But I mean, people still don't realize even when they leave a bad review, how integrated the sales professional was in their decision making process and showing them and trying to make it as easy as possible. And, and so I find it interesting where I, you'll read a negative review and it's like, yeah, it took so long and they did that. But, but Matt was good. You know, Matt, Matt really was able to show us a couple of things that we never saw, but it's like, yeah, do you not realize that helped you make the purchase? You know, well, consumer demands are really challenging and increasing and, you know, it's hard to fully execute. Right. And that's what our challenge is to continue to improve the experience, make it faster, make it more flexible, make, give it, you know, the Burger King treatment, have it, have it your way or whatever. Uh, You know, and I think we need to continue to strive for that, you know, and and looping full circle with all the co-op and OEM and mandates in our industry. I just don't believe that that's going to create the flexibility necessary to move us forward in meaningful ways, um, you know, maybe we'll take incremental steps forward, but I, you know, it's just going to be real challenging. If it's always this fragmented world, um, it's going to be hard. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.